0: Hello and thank you everyone for a special episode of the Culture Nerd Podcast. You're joining us today. We're gonna sit down with Richard Citrone, actor and stuntman. He has been doing this work for over 30 years. He's been pretty much in everywhere that you could possibly think of. And we wanna talk to him about his body of work and what it is like being a stuntman in Hollywood today. So thank you for joining us and sit tight and here we begin. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Richard. You're welcome. Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here. So we've talked a few times over the years. Um, Primarily, I think I first interacted with you back when the the ramp up for Jack Snyder's Justice League came about, and um, that was a a really exciting time for all the fans, and um, Mm -hmm. you were pretty much synonymous with Ben Affleck's Batman. You've been Ben's stunt double for Batman since the entire time he was Batman, as well as um, when he's in his other movies, like in the uh, Triple Frontier for Netflix, you also stunt doubles for him there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of fans became very aware of you during the BVS time for him and just Batman in general, because when people saw that Zack Snyder did these crazy scenes of of Batman, these behind the scenes action, when people realized they were actually a real person doing these, these fights and these real things, it wasn't just CGI heavy like a lot of movies are today. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, found it was you and just gravitated toward you. So um, like I said, you've had this tremendous body of work for the last 30 years. And what's it been like being a stuntman for the last 30 years?
1: Well, I mean, it's been a great ride. It's a great career. Um, it's it's. I've had other jobs because I got into stunts relatively late. I got into stunts like in my late 20s. And I've had other jobs, and I know what it's like to drive to a nine to five every morning. And, and you know, it's it's fine for some people, everybody's different. Uh, but for me, I just didn't enjoy it. Um, and stunts is something that I aspire to do um, from a younger age. And uh, I I just consider myself extremely fortunate every day that I've had the career that I had. I mean, I never... Would have ever thought i would have a, a the career that i've that i've had and it's it's um i'm very grateful and i'm a really really fortunate person
0: so you were um one of my first first movies that i remember seeing you in back when michael and i were in high school actually um we saw you in uh, the time machine and this movie came out back in 2002 and michael and i were i think freshmen or sophomore freshmen or sophomores at that time i can't remember um but you were one of the morlocks and mm-hmm. I remember that movie, it felt very reverent to the original, but it was also very unique and modernizing everything. It was also one of the first times I think you and, uh, the, I just totally blanked out on his name, my apologies. Uh, you also worked on the same film with uh, the actor who played Alfred from Batman v Superman, Jeremy Irons. He was mm-hmm. the the lead villain, Morlock, and you were essentially like the, kind of like the most front and center Morlock for most of the movie. Um what was it like working in a in that? I mean that was 20 years ago and the whole movie you were in these heavy prosthetics. Yeah, it it really
1: wasn't um prosthetics in 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 the 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 true definition of what we consider prosthetics in the film industry. It was a it was a suit. It was a big latex rubber suit very much like the bat suit. So what I really I started doing started doing work like that because I'm taller and thinner so some of these creature effects places would seek me out and I could I could you know I could do a little bit of acting and I could emote through the suit you could see the emotion of the character so they like to use me um so w- the cool thing about it was that was one of my earlier jobs doing that and all all of that those jobs led up to you know playing Batman because it, it gave me great experience I literally logged hundreds of hours in latex suits before I played Batman. So I knew exactly what to expect and I can move well in it. And it's not easy to move in, trust me. So it was a really cool experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, worked for Jeff Amata, who, who was a guy that came out of, out of the same martial arts academy that I came out of. He was, a, he was like trailblazer for the martial artist uh, from, the, from the Inosanto Academy. And then since then, there's been a bunch of us that have gotten to films so it was a joy to work with him. He's kind of one of my heroes growing up in film, and uh, I just it was a it was a really cool experience and very very valuable experience.
2: Can you speak more about the suits? Because I think that when we're watching the final product of a film, we don't understand that like there's a fight scene or like they've talked about like what they want to have happen on the day. Then you put this stuff on and all of a sudden you realize what your mobility and stuff is. Mm -hmm. How much time do you get to physically move, like experience this before you can be like, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I feel comfortable doing. This is probably too hard to do.
1: Mm -hmm. It depends on the project on that particular project. I was fortunate because Jeff had me, um, work out in the suit a little bit because he wanted me to come up with a movement, the way these creatures would move, you know, how would they move when they're standing on two legs? How would they move when they're running? You know, that would be more of a, you know, of a four legged uh, movement. So I got to log some hours in the suit, but um, it is definitely, if you can do it, if you're able to get the time and not everybody is because some guys just come in and work a couple of days and they don't have really the time to do it. It's, it's so valuable because it's a whole different deal. Everything is an effort. Lifting your arm up is an effort in those suits, you know, lifting your leg up, like, you know, to, 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 for instance, to kick in martial arts, you need to chamber your knee up high, right? You can't do that in the bat suit. <laughs> There's no chambering, right? So you have to figure out ways to work around it and, and having a lot of experience really, really helps. It, it, it helps a lot. So, yeah, it's valuable if you can get time in that suit, and I did for BVS. I did get time in this a lot of time in the suit, and then for most of my projects, if I know I'm going to be in a big heavy suit, I like to try to get as much time as possible.
0: So uh, after the Time Machine, a lot of another movie that Michael and I immediately remember you from was a th- Underworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played uh, the character both as human and as a, a werewolf. So you were uh, this fella. I do not remember that character's name. I don't think they actually gave him a name on screen.
1: Um, um, was his yeah? He did have a name. Uh, b- 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 I can't remember it right now. I always what? referred to him huh. as
2: Jeff. That's always the, that's the <laughs> character I call Jeff. He's uh he's a real he's part of the Lycan crew. Everyone likes him. Everyone's like good for Jeff, but like you know the vampires, of course. Yeah. All
1: right. See, I remember my buddy's name. The guy next to me is Michael Mukadis. He's a stunt stunt uh, professional as well, and his name was Taylor. I can remember okay. his name, but for some reason, I can't remember what my name was.
2: If that guy's name is Taylor, for sure, that guy's name was Jeff. For <laughs> sure, I'm confident about that.
0: But uh, So you played him um, in, obviously, these scenes where you had to get extremely in shape, where you were uh, transforming out of the lichen form. Uh, there was a couple shots where you were actually dressed up as a cop and doing some unsavory things, trying to get your target. And then uh, you actually also played... Uh, in a giant heavy suit as well as a lichen. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming it's a very similar experience. You spent a lot of time behind the scenes getting used to the the bulky upper half of that suit. Because I remember that suit was very, very not so much bulky on the bottom half. The legs were pretty normal, but it was like mm-hmm. very top heavy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. And another again, another big, heavy latex suit, you know. Um, that one, that one wasn't bad uh, because you get to because through the head, some heads are designed. Most heads are designed to see just like we see, but sometimes these suits are designed so that your head is like this and you're looking down at the ground. The suit I wore in um, uh, Cabin in the Woods was a really streamlined werewolf suit. It was very cool. It was a really cool suit, but that I had to look down at the ground all the time. Um, so that's a bit of a challenge.
0: But, See, um, I, I loved that movie for what it was. I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, this is it's a horror comedy. This is weird. Um yeah. but I, I thought it was a fantastic movie. And I um I, I couldn't find any behind-the-scenes photos of you and the, the werewolf get up, but I do remember that werewolf in particular being pretty cool, pretty iconic looking. So yeah,
1: I think I have some on my Instagram. I think I have one or two on my Instagram, I'm pretty sure. And that shot of me from Underworld, I am not in shape there. <laughs> I'm in, <laughs> I'm in bad shape. I look I'm, I'm i'm like what 25 years older and a much better shape <laughs> yeah that was bad i in budapest for a long time and just not able to train and eat right and didn't work out for me
0: well it's still better shape than either me or michael for our entirety of our lives so. absolutely
2: listen i am not good at falling down okay i put it in my name so people understand where i'm coming from um, can we uh i think that's one of the Is that where not accidents happen, but is that how you as an actor, but also performer are in a position, are in good shape. And then you go somewhere for however amount of time, what gets to you first? Is it the working? Is the lack of sleep? Is it your food schedule changes? Or, cause I feel like that's what leads to you getting hurt and stuff like that. You're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not on my normal schedule. I do that in Los Angeles here. I'm on something much different.
1: Yeah, we laugh about that because we're always in better shape when we're not working. We start out in great shape. And then as the film goes on, especially Zach's films, because we we go quite a while. Like we, I, I was on I was in Detroit doing BBS for like nine months, you know, so we work long, long shows. Um, so, yeah, you start out in great shape. And then as the show goes on, because of everything you mentioned, primarily not having the time to train and not eating the way you need to eat, you know, optimum to get the optimum uh, effect that you want. So I would say those two factors are the biggest ones sleep, of course, as well. But, um, and it depends. Sometimes the movie though is all about you being in great shape. So then they allocate time for you to train like 300. When we were rehearsing for 300, we trained, we trained eight hours a day and then we'd go home and grab some dinner and then we'd all go out to the gym and train some more, you know? So, you know, we were all in really, really great shape. So a movie like that, they're going to allocate that time for you to train. So then in that case, of course, you can stay in great shape throughout the whole film.
2: Is 300 one of those projects that gets to bring together not only your ability to move and receive direction in that way, but that we also get to see it's you. That's you. There's no wolf costume on you. I get to see you in everything that's going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's nice every now and then, you know, I think I think most stunt performers, some stunt performers aspire to act, but I think most of them, we want to we want to hide ourselves a little bit, (laughs) you know, we want to perform, but they're not, you know, we're not necessarily real big on showing our faces a whole lot. I think that I I don't mind it at all because I, you know, I've trained in acting, I've studied acting, and so I feel comfortable with it, but a lot of stunt performers, they just don't feel comfortable, so they're fine hiding their faces. But uh, it is nice every now and then, and it's you know it's nice to for me personally it's nice to act sometimes because it's a, it's a nice change of pace. And you get a bigger trailer too, right? Right, <laughs> of course. And I
0: noticed that when your collaborations with Zach, um, you've had a lot more, a lot more roles where you're actually on camera as a character, not just the stunt. I mean, obviously with Batman you were you were stunt to uh, to Ben, but in uh, Three Hundred and Sucker Punch you were. Mm-hmm. I don't think you did actually a lot of stunts for Sucker Punch compared to being on camera as one of the, the villain's cronies, essentially.
1: Yeah, but I actually wore a lot of hats on that film. Um, I did stunts as the German colonel. Okay. Um, I did that sword fight with uh, oh, right, baby, baby right. doll. So I was a German colonel there. And then I was also the... Um, the Orc Commander, which I didn't do any stunts, but it was just... So I can't seem to get away from the latex, right? And (laughs) and those were prosthetics, by the way. That was... okay. The German colonel was prosthetics, and the Orc Commander was prosthetics as well.
2: Yeah, but prosthetics are also no joke, and it's a much different beast when you... Right? When they say, you know, cut, and everyone goes and walks to the sideline, you are still in full makeup, sir. Mm -hmm. So when did... uh? Were you naturally growing up as a, as a, as a human being? Was that a skill that you just had to be under those stressful situations and to be, or is this something that you learned from being in the business?
1: You know, I think it's something that you're able to do or not able to do. And I think you can get more comfortable with it. You know, say if it bothers you a little bit. I think you can get a little more at ease with, but some people, they can't have anything on them I know I have friends that they don't want anything on them like that.
0: Um, I. I remember actually reading an interview. Sorry, I I remember reading an interview with Christian Bale where he said that when he first wore the bat suit, he felt really claustrophobic because the whole thing was like a wetsuit and Mm -hmm. it was uh, compressed to his face. He said he would get these massive migraines and headaches, and he didn't think he could do it at first. Eventually, he got better at it, like you said. But Mm -hmm. um, 100%. Like, either you're the kind of person who can thrive under that, or you just immediately go into panic mode.
1: Yeah. And, and as it's, it's interesting too, you will, you do get used to it to a certain extent. And then um, as you get older, it seems to get worse because I get a little claustrophobic. Like I can feel it creeping in and I just kind of push it back. But as I've gotten older, I feel like when I did, um, when I did time machine, the hero stuff that I did in the animatronic head where the eyebrows and eyes and everything moves, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing. But that head you can't see out of it at all. It's completely closed in. And it's not something like if you're really tired, you're breathing heavy and you need you need to get out of it, you just lift it off your head. No, they need to get you out of it. And it takes it takes about five minutes to get you out of that thing. So if you're having a little panic attack, you you know, you better <laughs> you're you're in trouble, you better calm down. A done bit. For, yeah. and, and the only way I could see was they had a TV screen right in front of my eyes. And there's a camera in the nose, so I could, I only see like in one dimension, you know. So it was black and white, and actually, like, so if you try to grab something in front of you, you think it's there and it's not there because you can't. You have no depth perception. Right. So we're rehearsing for us for a scene where they wanted me to run through this bamboo forest with this head on, and I'm like,
0: yeah,
1: it's gonna be rough because moving things away, you can't really absolutely tell where they are. And the first rehearsal, I broke my toe because I kicked one. Little, oh. Right. So now I got to work the rest of the day with a broken toe. But, you know, it's I think about that. I think, I don't know if
2: I'd want to do that today. (laughs) And and, and just to emphasize what you said. So on top of all that uncomfortable part, you then break your toe, which you don't tell anybody because you're not going to not do this movie. So now you have a broken toe on top of being in this suit. That stuff is. And those little, you know, I, I know on a longer shoot how those little things add up. But if it's something like this or, you know, you know that it's only going to be a short amount of time, it's like, right, I have a broken toe. I'm not going to not work. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's the shoot you did with a broken toe.
1: Yeah. Luckily, it was a middle toe. So I had support from the other toes on each side. If it would have been my big or small toe, that would have been rough. Yeah. What yeah. are
2: – I haven't broken enough toes. What are the good toes to break? What are the bad toes to break?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think anything in the middle is good. Same thing with your hands. I think anything in the middle, you're much better off than, than on the edges.
0: So speaking of like with the the way that Morlock suit worked, it very much sounded like another movie that you worked on, which was Iron Man, where you actually were uh, in the big fight scene. Mm -hmm. um, You were wearing the suit. You were actually wearing the practical suit that they made for this film. Yeah. And now, obviously now in the the movie since then, it's all just been Robert Downey Jr. in like gray pajamas with markers all over his body. But in that first one, you really helped sell the realism by having a physical suit. What was it like in that one?
1: I, I loved it. Um, it's the only film where they had a full suit. The rest of them, sometimes they would bring out a helmet. and Sometimes they'd bring out a chest piece, like shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the only film where they used a full suit. And I really enjoyed it. I would much rather have, and it goes for Batman or any any superhero that I would ever play, um, a full suit. Because you just feel feel the character so much better. When you're in pajamas, you're like you're so comfortable, it's nice. You lounge around, it's so easy between shots. The other stuff is tough cuz you got to find a comfortable position when you're sitting and that's hard to do. But as far as the performance, which is all I really care about, you know, the, I'm going to forget about how uncomfortable I am, you know, 20, 30 years from then, but that stuff's on film forever, right? So that's what I that's what I'm concerned about. And I just feel more like the character when I'm in a real suit. And I think I was really, really fortunate to be one of the guys that got to be in that suit and and portray that character.
0: And then speaking of the full suit, I mean, you were Batman for that entire time in BVS, Suicide Squad, Justice League, almost back to back for, what, two, three years of filming? Just all three of those projects?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But further longer than that, I think, um, because of, you know, Zach's Zack stuff he did some. he did a little bit of uh additional photography for jl mm-hmm. uh, but yeah right around there probably
0: and i know that so in the Justice like League, you're in the full bat suit fighting a parademon which is just a dude in the pajamas and then um i remember uh we spoke to ray fisher a couple of years back he said that he always felt a little inadequate next to all the other actors because they're all in their costumes and then he's just in the, the pajamas because he's cyborg everything he does is pure cgi hmm. so it's pretty, and, and seeing that the actual physical fight scenes, these, the, the warehouse scene, which is for a lot of people, the epitome of, of Batman in combat. And even the uh, suicide squad where you're on top of the Lamborghini spitting around that corner. Mm-hmm. What was it like playing Batman? I mean, I, I've been asked
1: this um, a, a lot and, and I can't, I can't come up with a different answer because it just so fits. It's, it is my dream come true. Like I started watching Batman when I was five years old, Adam West show. And I fell in love with the character. I collected all the comic books I could on Batman. I still get the graphic novels. I have all the top graphic novels that have been put out. Um, I love the character. And, and I got to a point where I thought oh, it's probably not going to happen because I'm getting older now and I'm probably not going to be able to play it. But that was always my dream coming into stunts. My first day in stunts, that's all I would think about is playing Batman one day, you know. And so it literally was a dream come true. I, I enjoyed every second of working on those projects because I was in the bat suit, And it was uncomfortable and it was hot, but I loved it. I, I would have stayed in it all day and I did sometimes. I stayed in a thing for 14, 16 hours sometimes. So, um, yeah, it was it was awesome. The best, best job.
2: It's amazing as well that the Batman that got you into Batman, the one from the 60s, while we look at while we look at the camp of it today, that was a very stunt heavy show. There was dudes getting punched in the face every week or yeah. going through a window or falling off a thing. I mean, that whole show is, you know, it is being played like a cartoon, but those dudes are the ones taking hits on the head, so another stunt heavy show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was campy, but you're right. It was it was it was stunt heavy. You know, there was Batman fought. You know, and and they certainly showed that. You
0: know, so it was, yeah, it was cool. A helicopter with a shark on his leg. Or something. Yeah, 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 with that. that
1: anti
2: anti what bat anti shark bat, bat spray bat
0: shark repellent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, funny great, enough,
2: and you know, now when I go back and watch many of these things. There is a newfound respect because even that movie, when watching it today, it's filmed on location. That's a real helicopter. There was a real man hanging off that helicopter. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when you go back and look at things before any CG. And even the stuff you're talking about now, to get a better performance, you as the actor feeling in that suit gives all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, the, it's one of the things Mike Myers always talks about, that him figuring out characters, once he puts on the makeup, a voice just comes. You know what I mean? Once I put on the full outfit, there it is. And uh, I I would say that full original Iron Man suit probably speaks to partially the success of that movie. Because when you are in that thing, yeah, that's what Iron Man looks like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's how he's forced to stand because there's a robot machine holding his body back.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I always thought was interesting was, uh, so a lot of people, when they put on the costumes for the first time, a lot of actors, for instance, they they always say mm-hmm. that when they put it on, they feel silly. They're like, oh, I'm going to get, someone's going to make a joke and snicker at me. But um, I remember reading an interview with uh, with Will Smith, where he talked about when he was doing one of the stunt scenes with Batman, and may have been you, it may have been Ben. I'm not, not sure of the the context of the, the shot he was referring to. He said when he went out on set in his like trench coat and his hat and everything was there, and he, he saw the the figure of batman walked out he said he immediately immediately went back to being an eight-year-old boy and just started squealing on the inside saying oh my god that's batman and like he forgot his lines and said there was almost like a hush that went across the set where people kind of they didn't poke fun at they didn't see it was a silly thing they had like this reverence that this is my childhood hero and he looks awesome yeah is that something that you experienced when you were going out on set did you ever feel like oh i feel sillier or no
1: not especially with that character <clears throat> no, no, no way. I I the first time I put the batsuit on and was and everything together and was able to move around and that we were we just got to Detroit and Ben hadn't showed up yet. And um Zach wanted to do some test shots in this uh old broken down uh car dealership and it was freezing. It was really cold. And so I'm moving around and I'm just looking at my I'm looking at my uh my shadow on the ground and I'm like geeking out. Like I can see the ears and the capes moving around. And I'm like, and Zach keeps asking me, he goes, Richie, are you okay? Are you cold? I'm like, I can't even feel it. Zach. I, I just, I'm so psyched right now. I, I said, I, I don't, I can't even feel it, man. It's, this is awesome. You know? And, and is
0: that the, uh, the promotional photo that he did of the Batmobile?
1: Uh, there's, there's some that he did later with Ben next to the Batmobile. I think that one might be me. Yeah cuz I remember had yeah, a
0: couple with with Ben and you see it's Ben but this one
1: Yeah, I think that one cuz he did sub with me too cuz the Batmobile was there. Um and I think that one is me. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So uh Yeah, it was It was just it's just amazing, you know. And you played with the shadows, which is
2: exactly what Batman does. You were looking (laughs) right as the reader. What do we see? We see the shadow of Batman. So you become Batman. And the first thing you're doing is making cool Jim Lee poses. Right.
0: Yeah. I remember when when they first announced that Ben was going to be Batman. And the internet just collectively lost its mind. And then when they released that first photo of him. And they're like, that's the Frank Miller suit. And holy crap, he looks perfect. Yeah. And now knowing that some of these original photos that they put out were of you as well. Like, what does it feel like to have like the collective internet just like be in awe of the fact that we had a comic accurate Batman?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I was just as much in awe. I mean, I was happy that they cast Ben because he's the perfect, he's the perfect Batman. He's perfect size. It's perfect Bruce Wayne. And then, and then when I, when I realized he's six foot three, I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) <laughs> i work for zach a lot maybe i got a shot at this you know and and um my my uh one of my best friends is is coordinated damon carl coordinated zach's films and did a lot of second unit directing and he goes he goes hey do you want to audition or he actually said i want you to audition for batman now he's one of my best friends but damon uh is all he's 100 character right mm-hmm. he's he does things by the book. He does things the way they're supposed to be. He does not waver. So it's not like, "Hey, I'm giving you <laughs> this job, but do you want to audition for it?" So I, I, I did two auditions for him, and uh, I and I got the job. You know, so yeah, just psyched. Just one of the happiest moments of my life. And um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how else to put it. It was. <laughs> it was it was the best i i for that time i worked on batman i considered myself having the best job of anyone in the world i don't care how much money they made i don't care if they were billionaires i had the best job of anyone in the world and that's how i looked at it
0: i remember when i was a kid i my dad used to say that if he ever got the opportunity to play batman he wouldn't take a paycheck he would just be like i got to be batman and that was like his mentality and i've always felt the same way like and then here's uh, here's Damon Carl. There's Damon, um, yeah, yeah. But the the role of Batman is, it's so iconic. I mean, they, they always say that Superman is the most recognized hero on the planet, but Batman is almost the more favorite of the two. I mean, most people say like Batman is, like Superman is the ideal of what we all should be and Batman is the ideal of what we can be. Well, yeah.
2: Batman resonates with people because of coming from that place of loss. We are all... We have all experienced loss now when you're younger that loss isn't necessarily the same because I feel like Batman resonates with me more as an adult now that I've lost people in my life and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah he doesn't ev- there's never a day he doesn't think about that thing
0: mm-hmm. I feel like
2: that is something that resonates where yeah Superman Each- is what I want the human race I want mankind to be Superman mm-hmm. but individually I feel like we're all a bunch of little Batmans
1: yeah <laughs> and I think, I agree with that hundred percent. And I think as well, he doesn't have superpowers, you know, so we, yeah. could, we, you know, we, we can look at that and associate ourselves
2: pretty easily with that character. Can I ask you what, let's just take one fight scene out of one of these movies. What is the process of blocking it? When are you communicating with the director? When are you communicating with the stunt staff? When are you getting ready for performance? Uh, How long does that execution take? Because these movies you talked about, you know, working on them for nine months at a time, that is a huge span. And not only, you know, the schedule of the actor's life of being on call and some days you're working and some days you're not, but how does it go about from an idea on a piece of paper to the execution of it.
1: Well, it starts with the director's vision. And I can tell you as far as Zach and Damon go, uh, Zach will, will relay to Damon what he's looking, what type of things he's looking for. If there's anything specific he's looking for in the fight, but just like the tone of the fight, you know? So then what Damon will do is get together with whoever he's having, help help him uh, choreograph the fight. And, Get to the uh, what what the fight is all about. See, because with with action, just having gratuitous action really isn't the way to go. It has to it has to propel the story. It has to move the story along, right? So he'll figure out what exactly this is doing within the story. What is each character looking for? Just like an actor who breaks down a scene, right? It's the same process, you know. If it and if it isn't then you're probably just going to get a bunch of action that means nothing and it's not going to do anything for the story. So that's really the way to do it. And then it, when something is worked out, you know, we rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it. Okay. Then we, then Zach will come over and he'll take a look at it and he'll say, yeah, it's exactly what I want. Or I want to make a change here or make a change there. And then whatever that is, make those changes and we go from there and we rehearse the heck out of it. I mean, for the warehouse scene, which we refer to as the Martha rescue scene, uh, we rehearsed that for months in Burbank, at, at Burbank Airport in one of the hangars before, you know, ever traveling to Detroit. We put so much time into that fight scene. And I can tell you personally, I would rehearse, go home and then go in my garage and just imagine each person where they're at and just do the fight through the air myself, because I wanted to not only know exactly what I was doing, but I wanted to know everybody else's move. So if somebody, you know, altered their movement, did something, maybe didn't they just forgot something for a second, I would know where I can just pick it up and go on and move on and we wouldn't have to cut. I wanted to know what everybody was doing. And I put a lot of time into that fight. And we all did. We all worked really hard on it. We, from the beginning, we looked at that warehouse fight as kind of like the crown jewel of all the action in that movie. You know, so we worked really, it's,
2: really hard. It's, it's, yeah. I, 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 as I'm thinking about that fight scene, it is, a, it's a, a next level fight scene. You not only see Batman performing the way that we think Batman should, but then it's that extra level of, umph. you know what I mean? The, the hits of that fight hit so hard. The way that you use that space, it's a fantastic fight scene. Oh,
0: thank it, you. It's one of the best. I, I remember. When they uh, first did the marketing for the, the movie, and then like the second trailer was essentially just the fight scene, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, they just threw that whole fight scene out as a trailer, and that I remember that trailer. I think I watched it on repeat a few times. And I think it just blew up on the internet. Everyone was like, this is how Batman should be moving because yeah. in the the Bale trilogy with Nolan, Batman did a lot of his like his elbow fighting, like he did this weird tuck and like socking with his elbows. Yeah. But then this Batman, like, he was. Visibly fighting like five dudes at the same time blocking and turning and like you could see that he had this situational awareness that we hadn't seen on film before
2: and then well, it, also, it also speaks to that is the old man Batman fighting mm-hmm, because yeah. young Batman wouldn't he's not there yet he's still trying to protect himself and fight like this old man Batman is like yes I know how to do this I've been doing mm-hmm. this a little bit of a time let me show you how you yeah. fight five dudes
1: right right yeah and I and I didn't care for that style at all and I know the um his 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 stunt double on that film he's an awesome martial artist And and I'm sure if he could have done things the way he wanted, it probably would have been great action. But I didn't care for that style. I don't think it portrays Batman the way we want to see Batman fight. Um, But another thing is, too, um, that's mostly Christian Bale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, know, for me to be able to have things go the way they did, I was very fortunate. Because I had a director that said, hey, he's in a mask. We'll have Rich do it. You know, so I was really, really lucky. But some directors, you know, they that's not, they want the actor no matter what, you know. So, yeah, it was very, very fortunate.
2: Are we in the golden era of stuntmen right now? Because masked crusaders is such a large portion that in the past there would maybe be scenes that you would do, but now you're 65% on screen. You know what I mean? In some mm-hmm. of these movies and some of these fight scenes and stuff like that. Um, I was listening to the uh, stunt man who did um, the black, uh, he played black Panther in civil war. And he was like, every time black Panther was on screen, that was me in the suit. Every, yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know is, is it, it the great part about it is so many people are working right now. The yeah. downside is it that little kids, don't know. You know what I mean? Like we're analyzing one person, but you're the person doing all that cardio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, yeah, that, it's a, that's actually a very good point that, that you made up because, because superhero movies are so prevalent and masks are so prevalent with superheroes. It's, it's really a great time to, to do action as a stunt performer. Cause we're getting to do a lot of it. Um, Studios, they still kind of want that illusion. You know, they still kinda of, And that's why I don't I don't talk a lot about it on podcasts. I'll talk a little bit about it, Um, but I don't go into everything. You know, I won't go into really tight details about who, who I did this, Ben did that, I, 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 because they still kind of want that illusion, you know, and, and they kind of um if the fans still believe that the actors doing 100 percent of the action, I think the studios are OK with that. Well, and a, I don't know. Maybe it's one of the reasons why we're we, you know, we've never been um, looked at as being eligible to win an Oscar, because it's it's a crime that we're not. When you think about it,
2: uh, and 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 this individual works in Hollywood and doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. It is a travesty that there is not an Academy Award for Best Stunt Performer of the Year. The people in the industry know who is on this list and know Mm. the individual's work ethics. The fact that we are not spotlighting that is a crying shame. And it's why when people like Quentin Tarantino say Captain America is the star, not the movie star, it is because Mm -hmm. of all of this gray area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they need to promote these movies. But at a certain point, they know. They know when they watch the movie, which was their days and which wasn't their days. So yeah, I heard.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and honestly, um, I think, I think there's a good portion of stunt people, stunt performers that are still, you know, old school and they don't want to be known. And they're like, no, just getting recognition from our peers is good enough. And that's fine. You know Um, I think we should be, I think we should be eligible to get Oscars. I don't care if I ever win one. I don't expect I ever would. Um, I'm getting up there in age now and I don't know how much longer, you know, I'm going to continue doing this, but, you know, for the people that come after me, I, I think, I think they should, you know, like what's Fury road was nominated for an Oscar. What's that movie. If you take the action out of it, you know, right. so, you know, it, it it should happen one day. I hope for the younger generation, I hope it does happen one day for them.
2: I think it will. I feel like too many of these individuals have Instagrams and YouTube channels where we're seeing their work and people know those names now. And there are outlets for them now and conversations happening online, you know, corridor crew is having on a different stunt performer every other week to break down these fight scenes and stuff like that. And really give a language to this, to the visual storytelling that you're doing, because you know, When you start talking about the purpose of a fight scene, it absolutely starts, you know, me thinking about Jackie Chan and all of those fight scenes. The reason why those movies work in every language of the world, it's the same reason why Chaplin works. It's all visual storytelling. Everything I need to know is conveyed through the action. He -hmm. wants that package. I'm going to use my wooden shoe to kick him away, like following all of that action.
0: Yeah, yeah, very true. So I, I don't think you ever worked with him, to be honest. But my um, my uncle, um, my late uncle, um, is named uh, Richard Dickie Dietz, and he did a lot of work as a key grip. And I remember him talking about this one job when he worked on the movie Maverick with Richard Donner, uh, Mel Gibson, and all that, the, the cowboy movie.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: he said that when they were doing the the stagecoach scene, um, they had to set up all the the the, the safety harnesses and all the stuff for the camera camera crew and the stunt man and Um, He he basically described this this crazy elaborate system just to do this one stagecoach chase. Hmm. And I know now stunt work is a lot of it on green screen. But have you done a lot of stunt work on location like that? Like where you're actually risking your life doing a job where you're like going 40 miles an hour on a stagecoach with a horse dragging you or things like that?
1: I mean, I have done stuff like that, but not... Not on a stagecoach. I haven't. I have I done any westerns. The closest to a western I've done is Westworld. I've done a few episodes of Westworld, <laughs> but uh I, I'm not a horse guy. I occasionally <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll ride one. I, I did like an Army of the Dead. I rode did a horse. You, uh, a little bit. You're also the the
0: headless horseman on Sleepy Hollow. I rode a was horse a
1: little bit there, but you yeah, know, they had a, they had a, a a headless guy that was uh, um, a cowboy that you know a rodeo superstar and he he rode the horse a lot. So I did a little bit. But uh yeah, no no stagecoach stuff, but uh yeah, I mean, you know, there's things like riding the car on top of the Joker's car. I'm wired into that car, right? So he's flying around these bends in Toronto and you know, moving pretty fast and if that car rolls Mm. Then it's game over because I can't yeah. jump clear of it because I'm attached to it, you know. So that's you know. So there's situations like that that yeah we you know occasionally you you do a job where you could die you know like that. But I mean we we really take a lot of precautions and we we rehearse things constantly to make it as safe as possible. And by the time we're ready to do the stunt, it's it's about as safe as it can possibly be. And there's always that you know that small percentage of that. You know something could go wrong
0: yeah definitely definitely see that um so I mean, aside from working as a, a stunt double for ben affleck on a lot of projects actually i'm seeing like a lot of non-dc projects as well like triple frontier the accountant and things like that mm-hmm. um you also uh continue to work with zach even as much as last year where you actually played zeus mm-hmm. the 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 alpha essentially the the main zombie could you really consider him a zombie because of what that movie implied? Yeah, he was something way different than what we consider a zombie.
1: Yeah, I, I'll give you my personal view on it. And I'm, not, you know, so I'm, it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't, right, you know, right. but my personal view is no, he's not a zombie. He makes zombies. You know, he's yeah. an experiment. It's like a Captain America experiment that went awry, it didn't really work out the way, you know, Steve Rogers' experiment worked out. You know, so to me, he he's not a zombie, um, but uh, and, and doing that film, I was always looking for moments to bring out his humanity because I always felt like there's still a human being in there, you know, and there's certain things that'll that drive him to the point where the humanity comes out you know, and Zach, Zach always would keep me in check. Cause he's always going, you know, more animalistic, more animalistic. And I'm always thinking more human, more human. <laughs> so we were, so it, I think it worked out really good. I think him keeping me in check with what he wanted from the character, you know, I think everything, I think everything worked out pretty well. And I think we got a, a pretty cool character out of it in the end.
0: Yeah, And I love that after I, after I watched the movie, I got the pleasure of sitting down with Zach and I, I, I asked him a thousand questions on, on what was going on with Zeus, and he's like, I can't tell you. I can't tell. You. He just kept like shutting me down.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I mean you had the the introduction of the movie where uh Zeus is being taken away from Area 51 and in the sky behind it you see UFOs flying around and zipping yeah. by, and I'm like, Okay, so Zeus has something to do with aliens, so super yeah. soldier aliens, there we go. And then you got the the weird blue blood,
2: and I'm like Something different about this character. That means he's royalty. If he has blue blood, that's a royal <laughs> person. He's from the royal family, is what that means. Yeah. yeah but we, I
0: mean, we have we have two more things coming out for this project. I mean, we got uh, the animated prequel, Lost Vegas, which is going to be delving into some of that. I hope. I mean, I, it sounds like we're going to get that. And then uh, we have the the sequel, the the Planet of the Dead, mm. and I'm assuming we're going to get a lot more of a more answers, hopefully. Probably a yeah. thousand more questions. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know much about that that film. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, there's 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 things coming that'll be they're they're pretty cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. We talked about earlier. Uh, you know, when they did Ben Hur with uh, Charlton Heston, they had to strap a dude to jump that horse and stuff like that. What stunt performances stand out in film to you when you think about you know? It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, I I think sometimes people think, well, you know, we don't understand that even in like a war movie, there's a ton of stunt dudes jumping around and getting exploded. I mean, it's just as big as any of these other ones. What stunts in film stand out to you?
1: Oh, wow. Um, You know, sometimes, sometimes the smaller stunts that don't look like much hurt the most. Mm. like I've done things and I've watched it. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look like anything, but it, <laughs> it really hurt when I did it. Right. And there's one that I can think of that my buddy Adam Hart did where he went down. It was one of the, I think it was, was it a, one of the diehard films? It might've been the same one I worked on. I worked on one called die harder. I think it was the fourth Die Hard. I have a, I have a gun battle with Bruce Willis in, the, in this kid's apartment and I get blown up and knocked across the room. But he, I think it was that movie. He did a he did a he was tied to a chair with rollers on it and and got pushed backwards down a flight of stairs. It was about 20 stairs. And I know that hurt. I, I mean, Ooh, that sounds painful. I, oh, my gosh. Like, because he can't move. He can't put his hands up to protect his face. Because they got to kind of maneuver himself. Could they pad the stairs? I don't know if the stairs. I hope they were. I don't know if they were. <laughs> i I can't say for sure because i i wasn't there on the day they shot it but you know little things like that like really hurt um the thing that my buddy tim rigby did i thought was just uh, an amazing fantastic stunt um what were the movie the series of movies um oh my gosh i'm so bad with names these days
2: We'll just start guessing movies, okay? He, uh, he did <laughs> Snow <laughs> the tri- White the Seven X, It was made in the forties. <laughs> I
1: think it was triple X. Okay, where he goes yeah. off off the off the bridge in the car and jumps out of the car in, w- with a parachute. Do you remember that?
0: That sounds that like was, a triple X thing. I remember yeah, there was one where he did like a. Uh, like a dirt bike down a snow plow or a snow mountain, and then it yeah. sounds like the same movie. To be honest, yeah,
1: yeah, that was a, that was heavy. a pretty death-defying stunt. I mean, something goes wrong there, it's over. You know, my buddy did that, Tim Rigby, and of course, all the stunts you ever see on the James Bond movies are right. are so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they're 100%. just so awesome. They're so well done, and 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 some dangerous stunts as well.
0: I definitely love the newer ones with in that regard because I remember I was talking to my son just i think yesterday actually he was asking me what the uh the last franchise of james bond was like when it was uh pierce brosnan and i said it started out great then got really silly near the end mm. um because it's got more gadgety more gadgety and then when they redid it with uh with uh daniel craig daniel craig yes i was like craig i'm like where is the other half of his name um the first movie they did that whole parkour scene where they're going through that the, the mm. construction site jumping through drywall and then jumping up a scaffolding then and, yeah. and then like in the most the last one um, lived, uh, the last one no time to die he, there's that sequence where he's on the dirt bike and he's zipping up the side of that like uh it's really cool uh in terms of just practical action set pieces yeah they they went back to the ground level and they they really shined for that
1: right right yeah there's there's so much I mean stunts are safer now than they ever mm-hmm. were. I mean you look like the old timers had it the roughest I mean those guys the equipment they used was so much so much tougher on the body like air rams you know i don't know if you guys know what air rams are but they were just nasty back in the day now they're so much smoother and softer and you know and we have um a lot of green screen work where you can pad everything as long as a green screen is covering it you can have a yeah. pad under there you know so we're, i think you know we have it, it's nicer because we have longer careers You know, some of the gags are not there that used to be there. Some of the more dangerous ones, were the big money, big money ones for the Sun performer, isn't there. But all in all, I think it's better. I think because I think you're going to get longer careers now.
0: Like, like Michael said, anything with Jackie Chan. (laughs) I mean, the stuff that he used to do. I think was it. Um, he was Rumble in the Bronx, where he shattered his ankle and then had to wear like this weird rubber shoe cast to hide his hide the fact that he was he was casted for the half of the movie.
2: Mm. Um. Well, and that's also why, you know, unfortunately we're not going to have Richard, you know, he can break his toe and we'll hide it in post, but we need another actor to do all those other (laughs) scenes and stuff like that. I mean, Jackie Chan is the example of why, you know, we've had Western, we have, you know, in martial arts film, you have those people that straddle, but we don't really have any more uh, 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 action heroes that are take. you know, Harrison Ford's doing a new Indiana Jones movie. He's not taking any of these bumps. You know what I mean? I'm sure he's going to get pushed off a car and through a wall. And that's going to be a nice younger man, hopefully much younger than the actual age of Harrison Ford.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little younger. I think I, I I know the guy who's double on him. He's, he's not a young man, but he's a very experienced, great, great stunt performer. And yes, quite a bit younger than (laughs) Harrison. Yeah.
2: That's good to hear. So, um, hey Larry, you, I don't know when I'll get to ask this question, so I'm going to shoehorn what? it in here before you. Shoehorn it now. Have you ever been lit on fire? Yes. Yeah. What was that <laughs> like?
1: Uh, um, it was, uh, it was a learning, learning, uh, <laughs> learning experience for sure. You learn real quickly what you should do with your body and what you should not do with your body. The things you should not do with your body, you get burned, you know, so <laughs> you do learn very fast because I had a full burn. And, uh, yeah, it was quite an experience. That was before, though, the, the the type of gel that they've come out with in the last, because this was in 2000 when I did Ghost of Mars. But since then, they've come out with a gel where you could put it on your head if you're bald, right, your head, your face, and light it up and you will not get burned just right to your skin, it's pretty amazing stuff.
2: I know of the gel because what was the old method of doing it with just rags? How did they, how did they protect you?
1: You had protective gel then, but this is another level of protected gel. Mm, mm. Like that protective gel, you would put like, um, uh, you know, these rubber exercise suits. You'd put that as like a, well, you'd have your Nomex on first, which is fire, fireproof. And then you put that suit over top of it, put gel over top of that, and then put your clothes on your wardrobe, and then put gel all over that, gel up your face, gel your eyelids, your ears, everything. Uh, but it wasn't as as, a, as effective as this gel. This gel, you can actually see that gel will protect you, but this gel, you can actually you can actually p- apply the flame right to it on your skin, and it protects you. That's the
2: difference. It's it's amazing. That's, that's black magic sorcery. That's movie yeah, yeah. magic. That is sorcery right there.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So
0: when I w- when I was younger, I remember um, I being told that like the theory of relativity was all about like the awareness that you felt in certain si- si- situations. And uh, comically enough, back in '99, I think a, a shark movie, uh, Deep Blue Sea, I think it was. Mm-hmm. They talked about this exact example where, um, say, you're uh, doing something that you enjoy. Time will move extremely quickly. But if you're say you light your hand on fire, every second feels like a like an hour. Is that what it was like when you were like lit on fire? Did the time slow down for you during every aspect of that? Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In situations like that, high stress type thing, they tend to slow down. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I was I was I was I got hit on the freeway on my motorcycle ages ago when I was younger, and I went over the handlebars and I was able to roll out of it. But I still remember everything just, I felt like I was in the air in slow motion, like everything yeah. just, you know. So I think, yeah, in those situations, I think you t- time does mm-hmm. tend to slow down and setting, being
2: just set on fire, I think qualifies. <laughs> also, when you have a horrific accident like that, are you also mad that there wasn't a camera there? Like you would have been paid <laughs> so much money if we would have had a crew here to see this guy yeah. go fly it. <laughs>
0: be some good b-roll footage or something yeah (laughs) Um, so you you've been in marvel you've been in dc Mm -hmm. and the other major tentpole of the nerdum is star wars and you were the stunt double for the heavy mando the fan favorite heavy mando you're one of three people that made this character a thing Hmm. and in i mean we have john favreau like the creator of the show is the voice and you've got uh I, i can never pronounce his name right um Tate 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 fletcher
1: oh tate fletcher
0: yeah tate fletcher yeah he's he's the overall body yes but in the in the book of boba fett in season two you did the they iconic fight scene between the heavy mando and the mando as he was challenging him for the dark saber
1: yeah 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 that was fun because the because mando is actually a really good friend of mine um we're actually going to do some gaming a little later on, but he's That's a, exciting. he's a good buddy of mine. And, uh, we are just so, so excited to be able to do a fight together. And we, you know, we've worked together on other things. He's the four, the four on one fight in the warehouse that I did with the guys with the knives. He's one mm-hmm. of those guys. Oh, fun! Okay, you know, so we have a good chemistry together That's and, um, shot. he's on the left with the, with the braids. Okay. That's Latif.
2: Yeah, yeah. Shoutout to Lateef, killing it in this universe and galaxies elsewhere as well. He's awesome
1: because I, you know, I've told people like I originally I was the original Mandalorian, right? And I did all the I did a week of the camera test, and John told me he, you know, he was going to bring in Pedro to to be the Mandalorian when he takes his helmet off, and I was like, yeah, he's awesome. I go, but you know, you're not going to be able to use me (laughs) because I'm about a foot taller than Pedro is. Yeah. Uh, So he goes, I will work it out, you know, and of course I knew right then and there I lost the job, but I was extremely excited that Latif got it Um, because he's he's so freaking talented. He's a better Mandalorian than I ever would have been. Trust me. Um, He's so good and he's he's killed it with the character. And uh, so really, really happy for him. And the fact that we were able to do a fight together, you know, on Book of Boba Fett was just so much fun. It's really cool.
2: Richard, you're a tall drink of water. You could have been a great Timothy Oliphant, bubble Fett. <laughs> you definitely had that physique because when he was just like gunslingery, that would have been great. But yeah, yeah. I hear you.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I think it's worked out for the best for everyone. Because if I if I have if I have that job, I can't do Army of the Dead. And great. I and I and I, you know, I love love working for Zach and and, I mean, and, and really enjoyed just... that character. So I so I we're all worked out for the best.
0: I remember when I, I, saw, I saw Army of the Dead in theaters uh, with a buddy of mine when they did that limited release before it came out. And um, everything about Zeus was just so much fun. Like, you got the military fatigue pants, that weird cape thing he made, and that weird half-skull dome helmet to protect him from getting headshot. I thought, I was like, yeah. like this design is just so much fun.
2: <laughs> well, he said it. He's Captain America. I mean, he's not one to one Captain America, but what was his weird outfit? Well, he's got to have a cape because if you're going to be a superhero, and right. then you have to protect your helmet. So yeah, right, that's right. even yeah. Superman. I'm, I yeah, always exactly. uh,
0: kind of uh, kind of assumed he was more like a, a Spartan because he had the helmet, he had a spear, and he had the cape. And I'm like, this is a zombie Spartan. Like that's what we got in this movie. This is exciting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So before we wrap up, I, we're, we're closing up on an hour, and I don't want to take up your entire day. but Because we would take up
2: your entire day. I would ask <laughs> you how many other times you've been a lit on fire and tell me what's it like <laughs> to go under water for a long time. I'd ask you lots of questions.
0: Lots of questions. Um, so in the world of being a stuntman, uh, now that it's becoming more and more prevalent, more and more accessible, I guess, with with the age of social media and and people just connecting on a almost a global level, What do you, what advice would you give to someone who wants to become a stuntman?
1: Well, you have to do something to separate yourself from uh, everyday, the everyday person, you know, that you find in the street, right? You have to do something that makes you valuable to the film industry. And specifically, if you're talking about stunts to a stunt coordinator, so you need a skill that is, is sought after in stunts. And And a real popular one right now is free running, right? Free running or parkour, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, martial arts will always be needed by stunt performers because you, you know, you, for that fighting aspect of films, Um, gymnastics is another very popular one. Anything where you learn uh, how to move your body efficiently, gymnastics teach you how to move your body in air. So you have a good air sense, You know, so things like that are are probably the best right now to study if you want to become a stunt performer. And then you and then you got to get yourself out there, you know, and and do what you need to do to get into the union. That's your second obstacle. Once you have your skills to the point where you feel you're ready to showcase yourself, you need to get into the union. And it's uh, from what I hear, it's not so hard these days. You do some background work and you get vouchers and you're able to get in that way. And then you got to get yourself around to stunt coordinators get your face in front of stunt coordinators that's a lot harder these days mm. because of covid you know when i was coming up and then up to a few years ago you just you, you find out where the films are being shot you show up on the set you 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 know you ask to meet the stunt coordinator you, you introduce yourself maybe give him a picture or something and then you know that way you get in front of them um i would suggest now a good way to do it is to find out where stunt performers train because other stunt performers can help you. And a lot of, you know, most stunt performers are really good people, really nice people. If you're not, if you work in the industry all the time and you're not a good person, you're not easy to get along with, you get weeded out. Because people want to work with people who are nice and easy to get along with. It's just common sense, right? So you you find out where stunt performers train. And then you you go to these places, you train with them, you learn. Maybe you have some skills that they want to learn and you can trade. And, and you just... You know, through association with them, you'll meet other people um, and then you you get yourself out there and and eventually you'll get your shot. You know, you'll get a chance. You know, something will come up or you're just right for it and you'll 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 get your shot. But it it takes perseverance. I remember my, my first acting teacher. I went to this school called Beverly Hills Playhouse. Right. And my first acting teacher said five years from now, 95 percent of you won't even won't even be in this industry. Because people get, you know, they get frustrated and it's understandable. You get frustrated. Nothing's going your way. And then you're like, ah, something else comes up, maybe a good job opportunity and whatever your, your field is at that time. And then you go and do that. You know, so having perseverance is super important. It might be the most important of everything that I've talked about. You can't give up. If you really, really want it, you can do it. You can't give up. And it doesn't matter what you look like. If you're attractive or you're not a very attractive person, it doesn't matter. That that is means nothing. You know, it's all about your skill level and who you are as a person. So people should not be intimidated to think that oh, Hollywood is all these beautiful people. It's not like that. You know, and it's more it's more about you and your skill that you bring to the project. So I said, you know, perseverance is really the key. Don't quit.
2: So And also, light yourself on fire at home. Learn that skill early. No, don't do that. No, do not light yourself. Perseverance. you got to persevere through the fire. I hear exactly what you're saying, Richard. Uh, Michael,
0: (laughs) stop giving bad advice. Through
2: through the ashes, the phoenix rises.
1: (laughs) Only if it's a Marvel movie. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. No, I've always felt that if Batman had one superpower, it was perseverance. So Hmm. essentially, you want to be a stuntman, be Batman. Be Batman. <laughs> it sounds
1: like a t-shirt.
0: Yep. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us today. This has been You're a welcome. absolute blast.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. I'll, I'll come back anytime. Anytime
2: you feel like talking, let me know. You shouldn't Beautiful. have said that, Richard. I have so <laughs> many questions for you. Hey, Richard, it's no problem. If the kids want to see what you are allowed to share because you live in a world of NDAs, where can they yeah. see photos that you do
1: have available? Probably the best source would be um, Instagram. I'm on Instagram. at stunt uh, underscore Batman. So I have, I have a bunch there. I don't post enough. I need to post more. I've been thinking about posting something recently. Um, so I need to do that more. But there is a bunch on there, and you'll get a good indication of, you know, characters that I've played in films and people I've doubled. Uh,
2: I, I, I understand that this is uh, – you do not need to update your Instagram. This is not for anybody else. Like, at, you are established in what you do. You don't need to get that clout. As fans of your work, though, if you would please put some things up there, I would love to see some of these things because it is such <laughs> <I> a. <will. laughs> you get to play the heroes and monsters of our favorite films, and it's yeah. such a. Uh, it's so wonderful to see those types of things because it is the making of magic. So, at your own leisure, good sir, at your own. <laughs> I leisure. Will.
1: I'll absolutely do that. (laughs) All right, well,
0: thank you again. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us on today's show. You want to support us and help us keep the lights on, uh, patreon.com slash nerd. I have been your host, Taylor Murphy, my co-host, Michael Santel. Thank you again to our handful of Patreon supporters. And if you're at home watching this, thank you for joining us. Scan that QR code, find us in all the socials,
2: and see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.